sheesh, man. You know, the issue with recording these podcasts early in the day is that, you know, sometimes we're still waiting on the big news. We've got some nuggets regarding this Odell thing. Uh, apparently, he's likely to sign with the Saints, but some other teams that are in on him are the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Packers. But it seems like the Packers are kind of a deep fourth right now. I think that they've had enough drama this past couple of weeks before uh, thinking about signing Odell. Yeah, I mean, the the reports are changing like every 10 minutes or so. Like I've seen that the Patriots were the front runners and now it's the Saints. And, you know, yesterday was he's likely to sign with the Packers. So I really think that we just don't know who he wants to go to. Uh, we don't know Odell's thoughts, obviously, and we won't know until he chooses a team to sign with. If I'm him... I probably go to the Chiefs or Packers just because those two teams, you know, are probably more likely to make a deep playoff run than the Patriots, than the Saints. As a Patriots fan, obviously I want him on the team without a doubt, uh, as he's just an upgrade over what the Patriots have right now at wide receiver. And then in terms of fantasy, I think the Saints are the worst landing spot just because you have Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill at quarterback. You have Kamara there, you know, going to take up a large target share as well. And the Saints offense, I, I just don't think it's very fantasy friendly at this moment in time. So a lot, a lot of uh, different opinions I have in terms of, you know, where I want him to go. But if I'm him, it's it's got to be the Chiefs or Packers. Yeah, I mean, all that talk about him wanting to go to a contender and then, you know, he's going to go to the Saints. It's like, I, I guess they're a contender. They'll, they'll make the really playoffs. Good. Yeah, the, they'll make the playoffs. but They're a downgrade they? off the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're essentially going to the Browns version of the NFC, right? Yeah. Like you're going to a run-first team with subpar quarterback play and probably not a lot of targets coming your way and a playoff contender but probably not a Super Bowl contender yeah for fantasy perspectives I would rank the teams that are favorites right now I think the Packers would be the best option because they really are they're really empty at wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams Odell could immediately slide in and be a factor you know the Chiefs do need to fix their offense but it doesn't really seem to matter who's in there outside of Kelsey and Hill. Nobody really gets featured in that offense. So I'd, I'd be concerned about his target share there. And then the Saints and Patriots are just uninspiring spots, in my opinion. But I guess we'll see how it plays out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 178 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week 10 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week. We'll also talk some chalk and, of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to have a chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open, available, and free to join. The link to do so is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how are you feeling about this week? Hopefully it's a little bit better than what we saw last week. Yeah, it's it's looking a little bit better just in terms of 
real life games. It's looking a little better from a Vegas total perspective. So I think we're going to actually get, you know, a decent week of football and not what we saw last week. Well, let's hope that that is the case from a Vegas perspective. This is an 11 game main slate with seven games early and four games in the afternoon. There are three games with totals above 50, which is, I mean, the most that we've had in several weeks. It's been a lot of twos and ones over the past couple of weeks, so it's good to see a couple of high-scoring games on the slate. Top five implied team totals this week, we've got Dallas at 31.5, Tampa at 30.5, Buffalo at 30.5, Indianapolis at 29, and then Arizona and the Chargers splitting fifth place with 27.5. What stands out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, obviously, like you said, we have a couple high-total games games more than in recent weeks. So that's obviously great. I think we also have a lot of games that are projected to be close in terms of the spread. And that's always great for fantasy when the teams can stay competitive. The spots are obviously obvious to target this week. You have the Cowboys going up against the Falcons, terrible defense. You have the Bucks going up against a pass funnel in Washington. So going to be an interesting GPP week. Like I said, the, the spots are just pretty obvious on a slate like this. Yep. And I mean, just some of the things that stand out to me, like obviously Vegas has no fear regarding Dallas. That's going to be a big story this week with a lot of their players in play. You know, after disappointing in a huge spot last week, they come back and they're immediately uh, boasting the highest total on the slate. So that's interesting. Uh, Same thing with the Bills offense, a total above 30. And, you know, after disappointing, scoring under 10 points against the Jags. It's kind of sort of echoing what we talked about on the last podcast that we're not really too worried about, you know, these teams having, you know, a bump in the road and we expect them to be right back on track. Same as Vegas. Moving on to some of the chalk this week, the popular plays, the cash game plays at running back. It was looking pretty tight you know, when I first took a look at the slate on Tuesday, but then we got the news that Nick Chubb has COVID. Kareem Hunt is not going to be activated from IR, and that leaves us with Dearness Johnson as a stone-cold absolute lock at 4,700. Yeah, Dearness Johnson is quite literally the only running back that the Browns have on the active roster right now. Demetric Felton also got placed on the COVID list along with Nick Chubb. John Kelly who's on the practice squad, got put on the COVID list before those two guys. So we're looking at Dearness Johnson, who is 4,700, as the only running back in one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. Going to be absolute massive chalk this week. 4,700. It's a solid spot. You know, they're going into New England. Uh, New England's run D is is definitely worse than their pass defense. So I think Dearness Johnson is the biggest lock of the season so far in terms of cash games. In terms of like his projection and and what we could expect, I think we have to just look to that Denver game. He had 22 attempts and two targets for 24 total touches. I think we can expect him to be in that 20 to 25 touch range. Obviously, a high touchdown expectation with Dearness Johnson as well. I just don't know how you can get away from him in any contest this week. Can you fade him in GPPs? Like he's a cash game lock. We don't really have to talk about that. Can you fade this man in GPPs this week? I I think it's, I think it's really difficult to do that, to be honest with you. I mean, like looking at the pricing on this slate, you know, you can scroll all the way up 
to about 6,300, I think, at James Conner before you find another really viable play in terms of the running back position. So you're just getting such a good projection. You know, he's going to have a pass game role. He's going to obviously be the featured back as a rusher, and it's a good spot. So, I mean, I I think that, you know, he's likely to come in. I mean, in tournaments, he might be like 60, 70%. Like we've seen this happen in the past where a running back situation is just so standout that you can't get away from it. And that's hard to get away from. But if he's 60 to 70%, that means that 30 to 40% of the field is not playing him. And that's still an edge in my opinion. I mean, I think that you pretty much roll him in tournaments. You know, if I'm playing 10 tournament lineups, just to make it simple, I'm probably going to have him in like nine of them, you know, maybe just one to hedge a little bit of injury concern, you know, maybe play Devin Singletary with Zach Moss potentially going to miss this game. He's the same price point going up against the Jets. So that's like somewhat interesting to me, but that would be like a long, uh, a large field GPP pivot only. I think that you almost have to eat the Dearness Johnson chalk in, in cash, obviously, and in tournaments this week. He He's basically a free square on DraftKings. Yeah, I I think I agree. I don't see a way that you can get away from him in GPPs. It's just he fits every single box, right? Projectable volume, touchdown upside, cheap price tag, salary saver. God, you know, I, I hate playing 70, 60% owned guys in GPPs. And maybe he comes in a little bit less than that. Like even if it's like 50 plus percent, I hate playing those guys. But like you said, he's a free square and he's probably the biggest lock of the season. And there's really no pivots in terms of that range that I would even feel comfortable playing in GPPs. So it's kind of like you're just playing him or bus unless we get some news uh, surrounding, you know, maybe Zeke or Dalvin Cook. Uh, th- those guys have been in the news, you know, Zeke with his injury, Cook with his uh, personal life. So unless we get news about that, there's no pivots in this range and he's a stone lock. Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Th- this is that's it's crazy. He's going to be 80% owned in cash, but 20% of people like aren't going to yeah. play him. Like you and, could book, and shout you out could to them. That. You could like, you're like, if you're listening to this, just play Darius Johnson. There, there's no reason not to. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. It also, it's also a factor that there's like so little wide receiver value, which we'll get to that. Like you can't even like flip the build and try and play, you know, a bunch of cheap wide receivers instead, like wide receivers at the same price tag and get mm-hmm. away from him because they're, they're just are none. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, I think it's a Dearness Johnson in every single lineup type of week. Some of the other guys at the, t- at the running back position, like the top end is, is loaded this week, complete polar opposite of last week where we had like two guys that we wanted to play. Christian McCaffrey, 8,400 should be fully healthy in this spot. That's just an egregious price tag for him. I think he's bordering on lock status and then Jonathan Taylor 8100 with a big total on the Colts side of the ball favorites against Jacksonville Dalvin Cook if he plays is going up against the run funnel Chargers defense in a good spot and you know Zeke Elliott like you mentioned as well at home with the highest total on the slate as big favorites against Atlanta's very interesting same price tag as last week 7k who stands out to you the most in this range yeah I think it's it's pretty hard to choose one. I think all of these guys are close. Obviously, CMC eighty four hundred would be my preferred cash game option. You know, a week removed from his hamstring injury, uh, we talked about it on the review pod, but was at the game, saw him. He looked good, and I think that he should come back into his massive role this week against the Cardinals. So I definitely think CMC is my preferred option. If I'm picking out of Najee Cook Taylor as my second favorite, honestly. I'm leaning towards JT. 
Mm. Like, I, I know, like, his touch projection is probably a little bit lower than these guys, and his reception projection is probably lower than Najee's as well, but... He's just been incredible over the last month or two of the NFL season. He scored a touchdown in every game since week three, six straight weeks. He scored a touchdown, and they're at home against Jacksonville, one of the worst defenses in the NFL, you know, coming off of an unexpected win against Buffalo. This is just the most obvious letdown spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think my lean right now is JT and CMC with Dearness Johnson and Cash. But Delvin, I don't know, the spot for Delvin Cook is phenomenal. Like you said, run funnel. And Najee is probably going to see the most volume out of these three guys, right? So you're really just coin flipping, I think. Yeah, Najee's a little bit outside of the tier for me, but I mean, it's really hard to say that considering the volume that we think he's going to get. I like Dalvin Cook a lot. I mean, this whole situation going on with him and his life right now is hard to like quantify how that affects his I don't think it affects his usage if he plays if the PR pressure starts to shift if more stuff comes out throughout the week you know that'll definitely change things I feel like this is a conversation we'll have a lot more information on for the Saturday stream so maybe we can just save it until then because you know if Dalvin Cook is like a full go I mean this spot is you know incredible when you're looking at the the teams with high high implied team totals you know, the Chargers are up there. They're the only one with a spread, you know, tighter than a full touchdown or more. So that that should be a really close back and forth game. And, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast, how exploitable the Chargers are on the ground. This seems like a Dalvin Cook blow up spot for sure. JT, for all the reasons you mentioned. And then, I mean, Zeke Elliott, I know he was disappointing and really chalky last week. Price tag didn't adjust at all. He's 7K flat. Dallas has the highest implied team total on the slate. They're eight and a half point favorites. The Falcons, I mean, God, like, I don't think, you know, you talk about a letdown spot. They had a good win against the Saints last week. I think that this is a get right spot for Dallas and another letdown spot for the Falcons. So Zeke's price tag makes him really intriguing when you're talking about getting $1,100 off of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I definitely think this is a spot where the Cowboys should get out to a big lead and run Zeke and Tony Pollard a bunch. So at 7K, he's definitely in play. He's definitely in cash game consideration for sure. There's just so many good plays at the top of the running back pool this week. If you need the salary, you probably do play Zeke along with one of these guys at the top like JT, Cook, CMC with Dearness Johnson. And I definitely think it is a three running back week just Mm -hmm. because of the lack of value at wide receiver, which we'll talk about. But Zeke is, is... a great play this weekend. He's definitely in cash game consideration and you can't you can't really take into account last week. Like they, they just got, you know, demolished. So is there anybody else that you think is cash game viable? I think we pretty much hit on Eddie, but uh everybody yeah, that we're interested in. It's like I like James Conner a little bit at sixty three hundred with the workload that I think that we can project for him uh going forward with Chase Edmonds dealing with a high ankle sprain but that it's just not as good of a game environment I don't think as as some of these other guys have so the savings aren't good enough to go down to 6300 to get off of Zeke so I think that that's the main reason why I wouldn't consider Connor for cash but I think he's a fine uh GPP pivot yeah he's definitely a good GPP play especially if you want to pay down at running back you know 6k is probably like pay down this week besides Dearness <laughs> Johnson. Honestly. So definitely don't mind him. I don't think he's cash game viable just because of the threat of Eno Benjamin. I think the Cardinals do want to use more than one running back. Eno Benjamin had nine touches 
against the Niners, you know, albeit they were kind of blowing them out. So maybe that was just a factor. And maybe James Conner is the workhorse moving forward. But this man just scores touchdowns every week. And I got to eat my words on James Conner. So he's definitely in play this week, 6,300. But other than that, there's nobody else that you should be considering in cash games. Uh, uh, No, actually, maybe uh, Leonard Fournette is in play this week. 6,100. Chris Godwin is hurt. We know that Leonard Fournette gets touches, right? I mean, he only had 13 against the Saints, but prior to that, he was basically, you know, an 18 to 20 touch guy in one of the best offenses in the NFL. So at 6,100, I think Leonard Fournette could have some ownership, and I think he's a pretty solid cash game play. So. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good point. You know, Fournette's had five or more targets in four out of his last five games. And if Godwin, you know, Godwin dealing with an injury, Antonio Brown, we're not sure if he's going to be back yet. He didn't practice on Wednesday. I mean, Fournette could be second on the team in targets behind Mike Evans. So yeah, 6,100, it's a good price tag for him. Probably more of a GPP play for me, but I, I definitely think that he is, uh, I don't know, on the verge of consideration, I would say quarterback Dak Prescott's really standing out this week at 6,900 I think yeah Dak's going to project very well against the Falcons they have one of the worst defenses just in terms of DVOA their second worst in the league they have like the fifth worst pass defense in terms of DVOA so Dak at home bounce back spot against the Falcons giving up the fourth most DraftKings points per game to opposing quarterbacks just sets up very well for him and I think he is going to be the cash game chalk if I'm not playing Dak in cash obviously you got to consider Jalen Hurts but the Eagles have kind of trended towards being a more run heavy team so it's difficult to play Jalen Hurts right now but at 6,500 you know the floor that you're getting with him is pretty high last three games he's gone over 60 rushing yards in each of the three games and this dude you know he's probably gonna run for like 800 yards on the season which is just valuable in fantasy so he's in play and then honestly the the guys at the top I think are in play if you want to go there like Brady, Josh Allen, they're both in great spots this week. Brady, I mean, he's the quarterback one overall in fantasy. And I really do think he's in in cash game consideration each and every single week, especially against a Washington pass funnel. But injuries to his uh, skill position players could hurt him a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I love Brady for tournaments this week, without a doubt. The the other guy, I mean, if you're in a spot where you feel like you have to pay down at quarterback this week, Carson Wentz is pretty interesting to me. I mean, it's a little gross like when you think about playing Carson Wentz on DraftKings in 2021, but he's actually been like really consistent this year from a fantasy perspective. His ceiling has been really capped. His highest point total game of the year was 26.58, but his range is really tight. He has, he's only scored under 17.9 points once all year. And that was early in the, early in the season week three. So at home in a, in a strong spot against Jacksonville, I wouldn't expect Wentz to disappoint here. He's only 5,900. And I mean, you can lock in, you know, between 18 and 22 points pretty easily there. And I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could potentially beat Dak if it's just like, you know, a super run heavy script for the Cowboys, which we've seen at multiple points this year. So, I mean, I think that he's at least interesting just from a pricing perspective this week. Yeah, no, Carson Wentz is definitely in play at 5,900. I mean, it's just a great spot for the Colts in general, right? They have a team total of 29. It's the fourth highest on the slate, and he's the quarterback 10 in fantasy football. He's been really consistent, like you mentioned. So if you want to go there, like I I definitely think he's in play. If you if you need to save the thousand dollars off of Dak to Carson Wentz, I think it's totally fine. And honestly, I might be leaning that way right now 
as it stands Wednesday afternoon. I want to jam in two of these high-priced running backs and probably one high-priced wide receiver. And Carson Wentz at 5,900, I think if he gets you 20 points, that's fine. So I think he's my lean in, in cash games over Dak right now. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I'm still too indecisive to say which one is my lean, but I, I could be there depending on how salaries shake out. Wide receiver this week is ugly, man. Coming off of a week where we had just like so much value, just like drowning in value in the mid range. This week, I think we're struggling to find, you know, guys at all under 6k that are interesting. I mean, is there anybody at wide receiver that you think is like strong value this week? Not at all. Um, yeah, there's nothing. I think Gallup is interesting, and I know we we talked about him pre-pod, but he's 4K, should come off of IR this week. Obviously, we talked about it with Dak. It's a good spot for the Cowboys. Passing offense, just a lot of you know competition for touches. You got Lamb, Cooper, Zeke, Tony Pollard will get some, Dalton Schultz, then Cedric Wilson, and you know Noah Brown will probably get a target or two. Malik so Turner a, for a couple touchdowns. <laughs> just a lot of a lot of players on the Cowboys offense. So I think it is kind of thin, but you're going to need to save salary somewhere. And we know that Gallup is the wide receiver three when healthy. Cooper is a little banged up still, I think, dealing with that hammy. I mean, he's going to play, but he's definitely banged up. And so is CeeDee Lamb. So Gallup could come back. And if he gets five to six targets at 4K, I think you'll take that, especially in cash games. And he's really the only player that I would consider under 5K. I mean, it's it's terrible. I, I don't see anybody that is cash viable. I mean, I don't know, Elijah Moore, Jacoby Myers, Russell Gage, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. Nah. None of those guys seem... Very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm good on all that. Gallup's definitely interesting. You know, just because there were quotes two days ago, like on on Monday, that McCarthy said Gallup will be practicing in full Wednesday and activated off IR. So it's not like he's, you know, maybe ready to come back. It sounds like he's fully ready to come back. Like they already know that he's going to be playing in full this week. So, I mean, I like Gallup quite a bit. I think he relegates all those other ancillary guys back down the depth chart a little bit because he's super solid, like underrated solid. And 4K is just such a good price tag for a player of Michael Gallup's caliber. I think it's the type of risk that I'd be willing to make in cash games. But other than that, I mean, I I really think that you're going to have to pay up to find anybody you feel good about. Maybe Michael Pittman, I guess, is interesting at 6,300. DJ Moore is interesting, I guess, at 6,300, but he's going to be catching passes from PJ Walker. And then we have a couple guys in the mid-6Ks that I think are going to project pretty well, namely Tyler Lockett at 6,500 with Russell Wilson coming back, going up against a Jair Alexander-less Green Bay Packers defense. And then Mike Williams' price has come down quite a bit, 6,600 in what should be a projected shootout going up against the depleted Minnesota secondary. That's pretty interesting to me. I think I'd be willing to jump back on the Mike Williams bandwagon this week. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good spot for Mike Williams. And he's been disappointing over the last month or so of the season. You know, he had his hot start kind of died off. I don't know what's going on with him, but it is a good price tag for 6,600. I do think Tyler Lockett is going to project a little bit better than Mike Williams. For me personally, like obviously I have some some bias against Tyler Lockett. I don't really like him as a player. I just think his range of outcomes is so wide, even with Russ there, right? right. We saw in the first two weeks, 29, 34 points with Russell Wilson. The next four weeks, seven, six, 10, five, all with Russ, right? 
So I don't think you could play Tyler Lockett in cash just because of that range, but he's definitely going to project well. And I I definitely think he's going to have some ownership. I probably would prefer going to, you know, Pittman more Cooper over Lockett. And I think that's the range a lot of people are going to be in for cash games is three player range of Cooper Moore and, and Pittman. And if I had to choose one, it would probably be Cooper if I'm playing Dak. If I'm not playing Dak, I, I don't know. I... I love Pittman this week, but his range of outcomes is very wide as well. And DJ Moore, like you said, catching passes from PJ Walker. So I guess it would be Cooper in that scenario as well. Yeah, man. Got burned so bad by Cooper last week, but I definitely think that he's a better play in a better situation than Moore and Pittman. So I guess we can consider him. Definitely agree with your point about Tyler Lockett. I I know he's going to project well. I know he's going to get talked up. I mean, dude, people love Tyler Lockett so he's gonna get talked up like people want an excuse to play him but you know like like you said the inconsistency wasn't a Geno Smith thing it's just a Tyler Lockett thing that's that's the way that he's used so yeah I mean if he's chalk and he jams 40 down our throats that's gonna be a really tough scene but I I don't think that that's like a bankable outcome so I would I would probably lean off of Tyler Lockett as well and then you know in terms of the high range I don't think any of these guys are gonna be like massive chalk necessarily I think that Devontae Adams though is the standout play assuming that Rodgers comes back he'll probably be the highest owned and he's probably the best player the bunch as well yeah Devontae Adams 7900 I mean just a cheap price tag for player of Adams caliber going up against a talent deficient Seattle Seahawks secondary they're at home he's gonna see like a 30% target share you know barring an Odell signing so obviously best play on the slate cash game lock I think and I don't know not not much needs to be said about Devontae Adams yeah and I mean we have to think that Aaron Rodgers is like gonna come out and be upset you know yeah he's gonna he's gonna come out and try and you know jam it down the the woke mob's throat by throwing like 700 yards and 18 touchdowns yeah take that covid (laughs) (laughs) shove it down the nfl's throat they find them yeah little pocket change yeah all of that all of that shit so yeah if we can bet on anybody to be emotionally petty i think we know who it is um (laughs) Tight end position, pretty standard, going to be paying down as low as we can go. And it's a great week to do it. You know, no Kelsey, no Waller, no Andrews on the main slate. So, you know, you're not going to need too much to get by at the tight end position this week. I mean, the standout play, in my opinion, is Dan Arnold at 3,500. I mean, since the Jaguars acquired him in week four, he's led the team in targets, which is is wild. And for a $3,500 price tag, you know, you're telling me you're going to get a tight end who's, who could lead his team in targets on a week-to-week basis in comeback mode against the Colts. Colts have been susceptible to the tight end position this uh, this year. I don't know. Dan Arnold is kind of like just a set and forget. But there are some other guys in that range that you can consider if it fits your build better, I think. You know, Conklin, RSJ, Fryermuth. How do you feel about this range of tight end? Yeah, I mean, Dan Arnold, like you said, is the standout play. He is the cash game tight end this week at 3,500. Just the way the the Colts play defense, you know, they run a cover two zone defense. Everything gets funneled towards the middle of the field. They're fifth worst in the NFL in terms of points allowed to tight ends on DraftKings, and they give up over six catches per game to opposing tight ends. So Dan Arnold is a stone lock in cash. He has 30 targets over the last month. Just an easy plug and play. Tyler Conklin, I think, is also pretty good. 3,400. Good GPP pivot. If you really do need the extra 100, 
Like Conklin is fine off Arnold. He's in cash game consideration, back-to-back games with seven targets, and he looks to be, you know, the third option in the Vikings passing game right now. That's really all I would consider for cash is is those two guys. You know, I hope the people listening to us don't ever play a tight end like 4K or above in cash because that's just bad. Like, it's just bad process to do so. And even in GPPs, I mean... Like if if you're paying up in GPPs, like you're you're kind of burning money. So Arnold Conklin Arche is interesting in, in GPPs if Logan Thomas is still on IR come Sunday. But other than that, th- those guys are clear cut best plays at tight end this week. I think that about sums up the chalk for the week and the guys that are our main cash game targets in terms of tournaments leverage stacks and long shots what's standing out to you in terms of like leverage spots on the slate yeah so i i think that obviously you can get leverage by fading dearness johnson but we already talked about that and i don't think it's really beneficial to fade dearness johnson so if i'm playing gpps i'm just going all in on dearness johnson 100 which is going to be over the field exposure right so think that is kind of a way to get leverage is just to just to just go all in shove all of your money on dearness johnson and just capitalize on that opportunity and then just in terms of the top of the running back pool i think that you know some of these guys are, are going to come with higher ownership but the clear pivot i think is austin eckler at 7600 if you want to get leverage especially if Delvin Cook is high owned you're, you're you know you're getting leverage off of that you're getting leverage off of a potentially chalky Mike Williams and Austin Eckler has been one of the best fantasy running backs in the NFL you know coming off of a disappointing game against the Eagles I think this is a good spot for him against the Vikings so Definitely like Austin Eckler as a leverage play this week. Yep, I agree with that for sure. Eckler stands out a lot, especially if Mike Will comes in super chalky. And I think that he's for sure going to be the the lowest owned guy when you're looking at these top six or seven priced running backs on DraftKings. And, you know, his his pass game role is so great. And th- this is like, like I mentioned, you know, if you're looking at the teams with the highest totals on the slate, you got... You know, Dallas, eight and a half point favorites, the Bucks, nine and a half point favorites, Bills and Colts, both double digit favorites. And then you've got the Chargers with a nice tight three point spread. So, I mean, if this is a back and forth shootout, which I think it definitely could be, Austin Eckler could feast in a spot like that. So I, I really like Eckler. And another player that I think is going to go under owned in his range is CD lamb at seven K. I think a lot of people will take the savings to go down to Cooper. I think Gallup is going to be interesting, especially if we get, you know, some solid reports early in the week that he's looking good and he's going to be playing and people are going to want to find some salary pay down to four K. I think lamb could get overlooked. You know, he missed a deep bomb last week that would have made his box score look a lot better. And we've seen the ceiling from him several times this year. We know that type of player he is and you know if he's going to be you know the the guy that isn't getting stacked with Dak as frequently as the others then I'm pretty interested in that at 7k flat I I could definitely see him being the lowest owned out of you know Keenan Allen at the same price tag and Mike Evans for a hundred dollars cheaper yeah I I definitely like CeeDee Lamb this week especially if you're going to stack him up with Dak Prescott and I think a lot of these wide receivers in this range particularly are going to go overlooked uh, like Keenan Allen. I don't think a lot of people are going to play him. Mike Evans, 6,900, could get 
you know, steamed a little bit, especially if Chris Godwin were to miss this game. And Chris Godwin didn't practice today, and they said it's kind of like a wait-and-see approach with him. Antonio Brown also didn't practice today. So if those two guys were to miss, I think we could see Mike Evans become chalk even yeah. in cash games, uh, 6,900. and Good chalk at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think he would be a great play in cash if that were to happen. And I think the the Bucks wide receivers are great plays in GPPs um, if they play. And, you know, if those guys are out, we'll get Tyler Johnson at 3,300, who I think would come into play for cash games if you really need the salary. So definitely like the Bucks guys this week. I definitely like the Cowboys wide receivers in tournaments. And, you know, it just goes back to the spots are so obvious this week. You know, you're going to stack the Bucks, You're going to stack the Cowboys. And you're going to stack the Chargers and Vikings game. I, th- I think those are the clear cut best stacks this week. Yep, I, I agree with that. And I mean, just sort of like transitioning into the stacks. I mean, we're already talking about it. But I mean, I do think that this is a good week to stack the Bucks. It's always a good week to stack the Bucks, As we've talked about, that's that's a pretty good way to you know win money this year especially if we were looking at a consolidated target share i also think it's interesting you know we did kind of gloss over one running back that i think is like maybe a viable pivot off of the ernest johnson in tournaments and that's jd mckissick now i mean it's not very exciting but if johnson disappoints or just puts up a mediocre 15 point game i think mckissick could at least match that and he could beat it like he does have he's averaging eight targets per game over the last three weeks like he's getting a ton of targets he's 5200 nobody's gonna play him he could pair well in a spot where the bucks are smashing and putting up points and they shift to a, a, a game script that favors McKissick. And I mean, if he beats Dearness Johnson, which is within the range of outcomes, you know, for $400 more, I think that's interesting. And the other stack that I want to mention, which is also somewhat of a leverage spot, would be Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf instead of Tyler Lockett. You know, Metcalf, I think, has maybe maybe not the higher ceiling, but I think he's hitting a higher percentile outcome more often. He's a, bit, he's a better touchdown scorer. And Russell Wilson has a really good price tag this week, you know, coming off of the injury first week back in several weeks 6700 to DK Metcalf at 6800 that's just a high ceiling stack for a pretty affordable price tag and there's obviously good bringbacks on the Green Bay side of the ball yeah I definitely like DK Metcalf this week in tournaments we just know the ceiling with him right we know he has that 35 40 point uh, ceiling within his range of outcomes same with Tyler Lockett as well so I think this could be a sneaky stack uh sneaky game stack I should say but the only you know concern would be the pace These are two teams that are going to play at one of the slower paces in the NFL, especially the Packers. So don't know if we'll have a lot of play volume for these guys to get there in, you know, GPPs if you're game stacking. But as one offside, I definitely like considering uh, Tyler Lockett and especially DK Metcalf for sure. This is also anecdotal. Like I don't, I I would definitely need to go back and do a little more research, but I feel like whenever green bay and seattle play like those games shoot out no like or am i just imagining eh, that i feel like those are all like back and the, forth games that come down to the end they've had the the games are definitely close for sure but they've definitely had a couple low scoring games like the championship game was very low scoring that they played in recently but i i, I think that some of the players in the games definitely do go off for sure if, if i'm remembering correctly like one of like Tyler Lockett or like DK Metcalf will will snap this week against the Packers for sure. Yeah, and and if Metcalf is coming in with a third of the ownership, you guys know what to do in tournaments. 
Um, <laughs> any other stacks that you want to mention before we move on to long shots? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely like the cold stack. I like Michael Pittman a lot, 6,300. I think he is in cash game consideration, but he's a better GPP play just because the target outcomes you know, is very wide. And if he gets like seven to eight targets, I think you'll take that at 6,300. And he obviously has the big playability and the upside to get the job done. But other than that, I'm going to have a really condensed player pool this week. I'm going to target like the Bills. I'm going to target the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Colts, the Chargers and Vikings. And that's about it. All right, long shots, Joey. Who are you taking a long shot at in tournaments this week? So my favorite long shot for this week is going to be a... Lauren at 7,600. I think that the Washington football team is going to have to pass at a extremely high rate in this game against the Bucks if they want to keep pace. And we obviously know Terry McLaurin is a target monster in this Washington offense. And we haven't really seen him get there recently. You know, he's been pretty disappointing over the last month or so. But going up against a pass funnel in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, I think, what, 5-6% projected ownership. Terry McLaurin can definitely smash and I think he is a great bring back in the Buck stack. So Terry McLaurin in GPPs, I think he's going to drop 30 plus points this week. Yeah, I like that. Definitely a higher ceiling bring back in Buck stacks than JD McKissick, like I mentioned earlier. Love McLaurin this week. That is the way to beat the Bucks is with deep passing and McLaurin is one of the best in the league and right above him for a hundred dollars more. My favorite long shot this week is Justin Jefferson at 7,700. I feel like the Vikings internally have to be looking at themselves and their offense and being like, why is Justin Jefferson not being involved more? You know, he has his two lowest target games in back-to-back weeks, week eight and week nine. I don't know how they came out of the bye and thought that was what they needed to do was reduce Justin Jefferson's role. That cannot be optimal. They they have to fix that. It looked like he was going to get there last week with an early 50-yard touchdown bomb, and then he didn't really do much for the rest of the game, which was unfortunate. But if this is a back and forth game, which I'm expecting it to be, this is going to be one of the games that I'm stacking up quite a bit. Justin Jefferson is going to be my my preferred Viking of choice, and it's got to happen for him eventually. You know, we just need to see some of those double digit target games that we know is in his range. And I think that this could be the week where Justin Jefferson is a focal point in Minnesota's offense. Yeah, I like Justin Jefferson every single week. He had a great start last week and then tailed off and, and did nothing after I kind of went all in on him last week, which was unfortunate. But they definitely have to get him more involved in the offense, and this should be a back-and-forth game, close game, high-total game. So definitely like Justin Jefferson this week for sure, and he should come at, what, 5 to 10% ownership somewhere in between there. So definitely yeah. like that a lot. All right, let's move on to our final segment here, best bets. Joey, what do you like in terms of some bets this week? All right, so... Courtesy of TikTok, shout out to TikTok for putting me onto this trend. Okay. All right, you got to follow me here. Teams that didn't cover in the week before going up against teams that did cover are 39-14-1 against the spread in the NFL this season. So you, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Okay. So if a team didn't cover last week and they're playing a team that did, that team is more likely to cover. So... If we're looking at that criteria, Cowboys minus eight and a half 
right now against the Falcons, bet your mortgage on it. Mm. Bet your life savings that the Cowboys are going to cover minus eight and a half against the Falcons. One bet, that's all you need. If you need another one that fits this criteria, you could bet on the Eagles, three-point dogs against the Broncos. Broncos covered. The Eagles didn't cover last week. Eagles plus three against the Broncos. Those are my two picks. Huh. Okay. All right. I like those. That's interesting. I don't know how sticky that is. That seems, you know, incredibly random to me. Like, you know, judging unrelated events like who you played last week and who you played this week. But I feel where you're coming from. Okay. I do. And individually, I like those bets. Nah, um, it, it makes sense, though, because the, the teams that, you know, are covering, right, right the, the Broncos, emotional win against one of the best teams in the NFL, mm-hmm. clear-cut letdown spot the next week going up against the Eagles, right? Falcons, same situation. Emotional win, division rival going to New Orleans, beat the Saints, game-winning field goal, cover the spread. Now they have to go into Dallas and play one of the best teams in the NFL. They're going to get the fucking breaks beat off of them. Guarantee it. All right. <laughs> I, I, You know what? I actually I like both of those bets, and I like the psychology there. I'm, I'm all for it. And I'm going to make two bets that are based on psychology as well. The first is going to be the Bills. I think they cover 13, honestly. I know that's a big line, but there is just no shot that they don't rebound in full against this abysmal Jets defense. I mean, I think that they're going to put up 30. I think the Jets could get legitimately shut out in this spot. We've seen it multiple times from the Bills defense all year. Mike White is going to be making the start in this spot. Like we haven't talked about the Bills at all. Like if you want an underrated stack that's going to go overlooked, you know, this is a Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs week. This is a, a Bills put the absolute, you know, beat down on the Jets week. So I, I like them, you know, to cover by 13 points. I think that they fit your criteria, if I'm not mistaken. I know they didn't cover last week, obviously. And I think the Jets game was a little closer. Maybe not. I, don't, I could be off nah, on that one. Jets but, didn't cover. Yeah. And then the other one. Another emotional situation. I like the over on 49 and a half points for Green Bay at Seattle. I know that we have the pace concerns that we spoke about briefly, but Rogers going to be pissed. You know, <laughs> like you said, woke mob has been hounding him for a week straight. He's going to come out angry. He's going to put up points on an exploitable Seahawks defense and Russell Wilson you know, he's been itching to come back. He's been seeing what Gino has left the team with. And I think that they put up points against a beatable Packers defense. So, I mean, I think that game just sets up well. Pace, concern, but there's such big playability on the Seahawks offense that they can get there. So I think that this game has at least 50 points scored in it, probably more. So I like the over on Green Bay Seattle, and I like the Bills to cover 13. All right, we're going to have a nice 4-0 week. Definitely like the Bills bet and... You know, just in terms of trends with that is big favorites, 10 plus points or more is a, is what Vegas would consider a big favorite cover at like a 60 to 65 percent rate somewhere in between there. So it, it's more beneficial than not to bet on teams with large spreads. And obviously this is a bounce back spot for the Bills going up against one of the worst teams in the NFL. So, I mean, they should cover 13 easily. I, I wouldn't even sweat that. And the total on the Packers, I mean, that that's iffy. I don't know if I would bet that personally, but if you have some conviction about the psychology behind the game, then, you know, who am I to, to dispute that? Indeed. All right. That is going to be it for episode 178 of the DFS Dose podcast. 
Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. For more Week 10 NFL DFS content, you can check out the YouTube channel where we post multiple videos per week. And we will be back this Saturday evening, both of us, Saturday night, to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts on the week as it develops. I'm expecting a lot of movement this week, so definitely make sure you guys check that out to get the best information that you need to have a successful week on DraftKings in Week 10. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.